You're listening to the longest running and number one rated podcast for all things San Antonio Spurs basketball. This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. Welcome to Spurs Cast, episode 667. On today's episode, I will be joined by Project Spurs editor Jonas Clark. In the last Spurs Cast episode, Matthew Lerma and I addressed fan questions about the Spurs' lineup for this coming season. Today, Jonas and I would now answer some trade questions sent in by Spurs fans. Let's jump right into this episode with Jonas. Jonas, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Paul. How are you? I'm doing very well myself. You know, this is it, man. Training camp's coming up on Monday, September 26th. It's getting closer by the day, a new Spurs season. So um, as I just mentioned there, you know, Spurs cast listeners, thank you all if you all listened to the last episode or watched it on, on YouTube. Um, and so we, Matthew Lerma, one of our new writers, and I did go through, you know, a lot of questions about the lineup. So today's questions are going to be mainly focused on, on trades. Uh, that was a question that I got a lot, uh, a few more on. And then also, there's also some more questions about the season uh, just as a whole. So those are the kind of questions that Jonas and I are going to um, uh, answer. There's about eight questions here. Some of them are tied together because they're on similar topics. So let's go ahead and begin. I'm going to go ahead and, um, again, uh, this, this first cast is both audio and video. And so if you're on the video part, there's going to be a little bit, um, uh, some, some, some different slides here that show some uh, details. All right. So first question, Jonas, here we go. Number one, from at the Global Spur. Who of the Spurs' tradable players do you expect to be gone by the start of the season and who will be gone by the trade deadline? So let me just uh, note that on the, the start of the season is officially October 18th. That's the regular season um, tip-off date for the NBA. So maybe that's the first question, Jonas, is who's going to be gone by that period? And then the second uh, date here is the f- trade deadline isn't until February 9th. Who, who may be gone by then? So what, what are your thoughts there? I honestly wouldn't expect anybody to be gone by the time the season starts on October 18th. Of course, there will be their cut, the cuts, you know, cutting the roster down from 20 down to 17, mm-hmm. uh, of course, allowing for the two two-way contracts. Um, but I wouldn't expect any real, you know, trades by that point. Uh, a lot of uncertainty on this roster, and I think that the Spurs still want to figure out what it is they have. And there's no sense right now in the Spurs making a trade at the beginning of the season. Because Jakob Pertl, who was a hot commodity coming down the stretch last year, mm-hmm. uh, first-round offers were out there for him. The price is going to go back up when we get to February because teams will be competing, and that's when they'll pay, be willing to pay a premium for what it is that the Spurs you know, have and are willing to part with. Yeah, so you know, in terms of tradable players, I would say a player who you just mentioned there, Jonas. So there, I, I consider um, three players the tradable players, and that's that's the veterans. That's Jakob Pertl. Who's making um uh, nine point four million uh, this season, and he is in the final the final year of his deal. I also consider Doug McDermott a, a tradable player because he's making 13.8 million this season, but then he's also making thirteen point eight next season. And then uh, Josh Richardson, who's making twelve point two million, and he's also in the final year of his deal. Now maybe Zach Collins could be a tradable player down the line this season, but but again, right now I think that the Spurs just kind of want to see what he does with a full healthy season. So. Uh, I agree with you there, Jonas. I don't think any of these three players, um, Pirtle, McDermott, or Richardson, are going to get traded by October 18th when their season starts. However, I could see one or two of those players um, being traded by that February 9th deadline. So we're going to go into our second question now, which is basically, um, you know, where would these players go if they did get traded? Um, so let me get to that real quick. All right, so here we go. All right, our second question also comes from At The Global Spur. They ask, what do you expect the Spurs can realistically get in return for those players? So uh, here, you know, I do have the, the salary information for, for Perto, McDermott, and, and Richardson. That's going to be the three players we focus on. So I kind of, 
I went through a few teams and just tried to find, you know, different ways that the Spurs could get that could could trade these players. Um, uh, you know, I one of these three players. And as far as trade player exceptions, there's really only one team with a big enough one to uh, absorb Pirtle's salary, and that would be the the Clippers. But it's really hard to make a deal because they already have Ivaka uh, Ivaka Zubak, and then um, you know, just to to make the salaries work, it's pretty tough. Even though they do have that that nine million dollar uh, trade exception, so they're the only team that has a trade exception for, that could only absorb Pirtle. And again, we have to keep in mind that McDermott's more at thirteen point eight million and. Richardson at 12.2. So then I try to think of, you know, what teams need a starting center. And I, I came down to four teams um, that, that, that I found. Uh, Toronto, the Toronto Raptors, who, who have had interest in Jakob Pertl, even though he came from there, um, you know, they've been in, in the rumor mill. So I'll go through a deal in a little bit with you, Jonas, there. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, although I couldn't find a great trade package for him uh, to, 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 to the Nets. And then also the Charlotte Hornets and Los Angeles Lakers. Um, so, so let's go through some, some of the trades that I put together for Pertl uh, regarding these three teams. Okay, so Toronto. Uh, you know, using one of the profit X's, um, trade, um, uh, 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 models, I did find one that said, um, you know, maybe like a Kem Birch and Precious Achua for Pirtle, or maybe they don't, the, the Raptors don't want to give up, um, Precious and instead just maybe say, uh, Kem Birch and, and maybe a, the Spurs try to get a first round pick for Pirtle. What do you think of either of those two trades from Toronto, with Toronto? I'm always going to prioritize if I'm if I'm San Antonio, I'm always going to prioritize picks over players right now, mm-hmm. um, because if this if this lottery is really as 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 stacked as it's supposed to be, and and you read through, you know, Ben Bornstein has an amazing prospect watches, and it's not just the top two, it's not just Scoot Henderson, it's not just Victor Wembanyama. There's a lot of depth in this draft too. San Antonio, if they do decide to move on from Jakob Pertl, if they do decide to move Josh Richardson, they're going to want some young talent to, to insert into that lineup with them, I think, for the future and premium uh, premium talent with that. Not to mention that if they were to find themselves in a spot to be able to move up one or two in the top five, um, then, th- then that's a point where, again, a first-round pick would be a valuable asset to be able to acquire a premium player a franchise player, a generational player, um, like we believe Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama both could be. You know, so I'm going to prioritize the pick in that one, and I'm going to go with that option. Yeah, and so something that you mentioned there, there's there's two there's two ways to look at it. Like number one is like, yes, I think that the Spurs, if they're going to move Pirtle, they definitely want a first round pick, and there could be a team that gets desperate enough by the time February comes. Like you said, you know, they're struggling, they need a starting center, uh, and Pirtle can definitely be that player for for a, for a playoff team. So maybe that team's desperate enough to give up a first round pick. However, the other side of that is that Pirtle's in the final year of his deal, and maybe teams can say. You know, if they're not as desperate, they're like, you know, why, why don't we just wait until to, to free agency to see if we can try to sign him? Uh, so, again, they, they may be hesitant to give up a first-round pick. So, again, there's kind of the, those two ways to look at uh, Pirtle. So, that's Pirtle. As far as McDermott and Richardson, it's honestly kind of tough to find trades for, the, for these two players because of how large their salaries are. And, and uh, you know, I know $13.8 million, um, you know, is, is usually a good contract in trades, but a lot of the good, really good teams that could use some shooting, um, whether it's off the bench or in the starting lineup uh, with McDermott or, or Richardson, it's kind of tough to find some deals. So, I narrowed it down to basically three teams, and, and again, I'm not really even I, I'm not even sure that the Spurs or, or, or these other teams would even do these deals. And um, so, the, first of all, the, the one that's been talked about the most is the Lakers. Yes, the Spurs would have to take back Russell Westbrook's contract, and then they'd probably have to waive him. If you're the Spurs, I think you ask for both first round picks. If you're if you're doing that, if you're having to give up both McDermott and Richardson in that deal because you're giving up, you know, again, two two good uh, role players for your team. So again, there's the Lakers deal with Russ. Um, 
Uh, then I got the the Kings, but again, are the Kings? You know, really, they could add you could they could add Richardson or McDermott, but you know, the Spurs will be taking back maybe like three players in the steal, like Alex Len and Terrence Davis, and maybe like Trey Lyles again, just to make the salaries work. It's again, and in that case, maybe Sacramento's giving you a second round pick, but who knows? I, I just can't say that's a good deal. And then the Pelicans also, um, they they, they need a little bit of shooting, um. And I know a player who who kind of played underwhelming for them during the regular season last year was Devontae Graham. And so a, a trade that works pretty well is Josh Richardson for for Devontae Graham straight up. But again, in that case, why are you doing that if you're the Spurs unless you're getting a pick back? I don't think this, the, the Pelicans are giving up a first-round pick for Josh Richardson. So maybe you can get like a future second. So again, there's not great deals. There's deals out there, but I couldn't find a great one for either of those two players. Did, what, what do you think about those those options that I that I mentioned there? Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, again, these are two role kind of players that it, it it's really going to come down to the stretch, you know, the playoff push and what does a what does a team need? Who gets injured throughout the season, which is why you wouldn't move players like those two now. Again, because because their value is going to increase. If somebody, you know, loses a three-point shooter on the perimeter, then the Doug McDermott his value, you know, yes. it, it becomes an option. If there, if somebody's looking for a good sixth man, I think Josh Richardson could be a a veteran scorer um, that provides some consistency off the bench. And it's just, and it's just again, who gets hurt? I think is really what's going to impact the trade value for these guys. I don't think that San Antonio um, is really in a, a a hurry or even in a need to move on from these guys either, because Josh Richardson's been in the league for a while. He's been on, he's been around some winners, uh, playing in Miami, playing in Boston. So I think that he a cultural fit. I think that he's willing to, you know, work with the guys, talk with the guys, the young kids, seeing what, you know, sharing his experiences in the, in, in the NBA. Um, it's not the worst thing to have. And the, keeping McDermott and Richardson, I don't think impacts the win-loss column an, an entirely lot either, which is, of course, what San Antonio is trying to watch. They don't want to win too many games to play themselves out of the lottery. A player like, like Yaka Pirtle, though, you know, if he's if he continues on this trend of improving year over year, then he could be a guy who makes a difference. And you might have to think about, you know, okay, well, if we're approaching February and what that win loss record looks like, do we do we entertain sitting Pirtle because we can't afford to lose to win some games? Actually, uh, if you're San Antonio, and then of course you're preserving his health for the trade for the trade market as well. That's the way I would look at that. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. I, again, like, I think if you're the Spurs, you're, what you're trying to get in, in a package for either of these three players is for Perto, you're definitely trying to get a first. He has that kind of value out there. And I think for McDermott um, and, and Richardson, you're definitely trying for a first. But again, I think the best you're going to get is, is a second right now, uh, you know, just because of where, where, where they're at. And again, their contracts are kind of hard, hard to work with here. But again, there's there's deals out there. It's just right now, like like you said, you know, I just don't see that it's an urgent need right now until we see how that the season goes for a few months and see, you know, what, what those playoff teams need. Uh, you know, it's somebody get hurt, like you mentioned, or, you know, just, you know, what's going on with the, with their records. So again, uh, th- thank you for sending in that question at the global spur. All right. Number three is a question that you kind of alluded to just right, just right now, um, uh, Jonas. And this is like, what happens if the Spurs actually start winning some games and get out of those win by mistakes, sweepstakes and scoot Henderson. So let's first uh, uh, see the question here. It's, it's a, uh, it's from at, from at CC uh, or C, Cupitre, see Cupitre. All right. Anyway, they asked um, uh, if either Keldon or Vassell or both have a breakthrough season, and as a result, the Spurs start to actually win more games that could prevent a top three pick. Uh, would you trade them, sit them, or just let them play? So before uh, Jonas, you answer this question, let's just kind of look at the latest over under wins uh, by Bavada.lv. Um, so OKC is right now the favorite to be the worst team, uh, you know, with, with 22 and a half over under. And this is actually probably going to get better for them because uh, in terms of tanking, because uh, 
uh, Shea Gildas Alexandria, it was announced today, is going to be out for a few weeks to start the season. So again, they they already lost um, uh, Chet Holmgren, and now they're going to be without uh, uh, Shea for a few weeks. The Spurs are second, only expected to win to 23 and a half games. Then the Rockets and Pacers are third, uh, tied there with 24 and a half over under. And then you still got Utah at 25 and a half. There's rumors that uh, that Bogdanovich might get moved next. Maybe they're going to move Conley down the road here this season. Uh, you got Orlando at 26 and a half wins. Um, and then you have Detroit at, at 28 and a half wins. And that's uh, that's the top. Uh, let's see here. What is this? Like six, you know, seven, seven teams. Yeah. So those are the, the so it's expected to be the seven worst teams this year. So the Spurs definitely going to have some competition with tanking if that's what they want to do. What are your thoughts there about if Vassell and Kelton start playing really well and go to another level? Do, what do you do there? Do you trade them? Do you sit them? Um, but hold on. I have one more thing before you answer that question. Uh, regarding Kelton, if the Spurs were going to trade him again, if – uh, they can't trade him until January 18th at the earliest because he just signed that extension. You have to wait six months to trade a player who just signed an extension. So a lot of info. Go ahead and take that, Jonas. Uh, I, honestly, I think these are, these are two pillar kind of guys, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think that you, if you're San Antonio, you want them on your team as you're moving forward because DeJounte Murray, unfortunately, you know, age, aged out of the young roster, you know, where his, his progress, you know, he's already reaching his prime as, as players like Keldon are still maybe a year or two away from realizing theirs, uh, you know, Vassell right behind him draft class wise, and then Primo behind him. So he already had about two, three seasons of NBA experience ahead of these guys. And so that's where you saw, you know, you see San Antonio, we're going to go ahead and sell high now on DeJounte Murray coming off an all-star appearance. And, and get him out of here. But I think that, you know, Keldon now is, he's the, the veteran, you know, draft selection, the oldest, you know, oldest remaining uh, draft selection by the Spurs with Lonnie Walker going, um, you know, over to the Lakers. And so I think that you would want to, you'd want to play them, but I think that you definitely would manage their minutes. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying sit them entirely, um, but First half, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe if you've got a if, if it's a close game in the third, preserve their health. Um, but I also would say, you know, watch out for that Keldon Johnson contract because uh, that he's a team that people that I think teams will pay a premium for. And and if you are looking again, if if, if the right team comes knocking uh, and can and can offer the haul, I think that don't get too attached to Keldon Johnson um, because. He does play big. He, he plays very aggressive and with with a lot. And he, he's a blue chip player uh, coming out of Kentucky. You know, so I think that when you look at um, all the upside to, to Keldon, yes, you want him if you're San Antonio to remain on the roster. But he is a, a a hot commodity. I think that you know for for another team that's a little bit closer um, and could just use somebody who plays aggressively, which I don't think we see enough in the NBA today. Um, but. I think that you know for that mark for over under wins you got to really shoot for it's got to be under twenty I, I would almost say is that is that win loss record mark to end up in the top three because there's just going to be an opportunity for some bad basketball and I don't think San Antonio really is going to have to try to play some bad basketball this year for the fact that it's going to be a lot of communication a lot of guys getting used to each other and we should not see uh, the rookies playing in Austin. Uh, I understand. I know, you know, having covered the team for, for a number of years, um, the Austin Spurs, you know, I, it is the precedent and Landry Field said, you know, said a few years ago, you know, when you, when you look at the 2019 class coming in with, with Keldon and with Lucas Shamanich, and why do you send two, you know, two first round picks to the G league? And he said, well, the precedent has been set, 
You know, DeJounte Murray set that precedent. Derek White followed up with that precedent. Lonnie Walker followed up with that precedent. And so, and you saw how they developed at the NBA level. And so I think that, you know, the precedent needs to be put aside now. Devin Vassell, the precedent was put aside. You know, he was, that was, that was an anomaly. That was the COVID year. Um, so that, that he didn't have the opportunity to play because the G League was still figuring out what it is they were going to do. But then you saw them return to it again with Josh Primo last year. So I think that the, the rookies should all get their, you know, uh, get their feet wet this year. And because they're still learning the NBA level and still adjusting, you're not going to have to try too hard to, to end up at the bottom of the of the league this season. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and steal your answer because I actually was going to say I, I was actually torn. I didn't know what like what do they do if like they start like what if because honestly I can see not only OKC tanking like crazy but also um, Indiana. I think that if they trade Miles Tur- Turner and also uh, um, who's the shooter that they have on Buddy Heald, I think that if they trade those two players, that's definitely a tank move. Utah's a team to keep an eye on again if they just if they just get uh, get rid of uh, you know, move all their veterans like Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, uh, Rudy Gay. They have so many veterans that they can move, and I really feel like there's going to be some competition with the Spurs to get that one of those top three worst records. So I think you got to be careful. So I think I'm going to go with your answer there too. Like I think they they play them, but again, maybe not the full minutes like I had thought. Maybe like not, not like 32 or 35 minutes like that. Maybe just go stay with under under 30 if that's the case. So again, yeah, I think there's going to down the road here as the season progresses, and and especially if we start seeing more good things about you know Scoot. And, and Victor uh, when Bayama, um, then yeah, I think there's gonna be more pressure to like not win as many games. It's gonna be, you know, there's there's competition there. I, I didn't realize so, there's still gonna be so many bad teams because I know the Spurs were you know expected to be one of the bad teams, but wow, there's a lot more. And especially OKC's already kind of got the got got the head start here. All right, so now let's go to our fourth question. This is from at Diego CA uh, forty two seven zero one. They ask, who are you looking forward to seeing play this upcoming season? So who, who, who's, you could either say that your, your top player that you're looking forward to seeing on the Spurs this year or maybe just a, a handful of them, players. Yeah, I, I think that I really want to watch. I'm, I'm watching Devin Vassell this year. Okay. Uh, six foot seven, shooter, defender. And, you know, he, he, took, a, he took a big step forward um, over this last, over the last season. Uh, looking more comfortable, looking looking more aggressive when he's driving towards the basket, you know. I, and I think that that's. Um, I was listening to to the, your last episode, you know, with Matt Lerma and 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 talking about okay, well, where does Josh Primo fit in this offense? Is he a point guard? I think that I think that Primo's almost still a shooting guard, you know, because because you want him to get comfortable not having to worry about running the offense, but just shooting, you know, working, you know, he did put on masks. So, so getting more comfortable driving to the basket and using his body to manipulate other players. Um, I think Devin Vassell learned that last year and he's, he started to be, be more aggressive with the ball in his hand instead of just a spot up shooter. And so I want to see him take that next level um, as, as a three, as a, as a small forward, I think is a, is a great fit for him. I know that he's a two, three kind of hybrid. He is, believe it or not, he is, larger than Keldon Johnson even though Keldon can play the four and the five he he's kind of plays like a a small big in a similar fashion to Draymond Green does but Mm -hmm. I think that you know Devin Vassell that's the next the next one that I really want to see um I think that he could be the on ball um Mm -hmm. scorer that DeJounte was um and really just taking a lot more of that offense into his hands so I'm really looking forward to seeing Devin Vassell of course, you know, Josh Primo year two, how does he make his steps? You know, he's Josh Primo is still the same age as all of the rookies that they draft, all three rookies that the Spurs just drafted this year because he came into the NBA at 18 years old. So you got a very young roster. So it's, he's intriguing. Um, and, and of course, you know, uh, Sohan, you know, we didn't get to take a look at him in the summer. So yes, I'm looking forward to seeing him. But if I have to pick one, 
is Devin Vassell because this should be a big year for him. Um, and it's time for him to step up. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to show you my answer here because like I, I had Vassell as well beforehand. I just want to make sure that now that time I'm not stealing your answer. I actually had Vassell as well. <laughs> well uh, Vassell is definitely the player that I'm most looking forward to. Uh, just you got you, you know, I'm not going to regurgitate what you just said because you just said everything perfectly there. Just the fact that he has that in between game, um, you know, he can score at all three levels. And, and I am looking forward to seeing. What what can he do with with more opportunity with the with you know with the responsibility with the ball in his hands? Uh, we had saw we had seen signs of that last year in the summer league. I remember he, he I remember asking him about this. Like he had shown a you know a really advanced move where he put um the defender on his back once he got into the got into the cut in, inside the um inside of like 20, 23 feet and you know he was able to put the defender on his hip and I thought you know I thought for sure next just this previous year he was going to go to another level and then um but then he you know he kind of you know he was kind of still figuring out his way with Kelton scoring and Dejounte there. You know, they had Derek White for half the season. So he didn't quite go to that leap that I thought he was going to go to last year. So I'm really eager to see what he's going to do now with, you know, just him and Kelton basically having to, to carry this team here. So, so yeah, Devin's definitely my answer there. Um, the other two players are also players you mentioned here. One of the players is uh, J- Jeremy Sohan, just because I didn't watch a lot of college basketball, Baylor basketball. Uh, we didn't see him in summer league. So I'm just eager to see what he does for a few games, you know, 15 to 20 games, see, see what kind of player he is. Uh, and then the last the last player is uh, Blake Wesley, just because, you know, I watched him in summer league. And, man, I just don't know what that guy's going to do half the time when he's, when he's got the ball in his hands. He can go up and put 20 points. He might go, you know, uh, 4 or 14 shooting. It's just – and I'm eager to see how he does with Coach Pop as his coach, you know, because, like, in, in summer league, yes, he could, you know, he could take a lot of opportunities and everything, but it's going to be different now that you have Pop as your head coach. So I'm, I'm eager to see uh, Blake, Blake Wesley uh, as, as well. So – yeah, so we both have a similar answer there as our top player is going to be Devin Vassell that we're eager to see. All right, our fifth and sixth question are very similar, so um, you can you can um, answer answer with them. Uh, you know, if you want to just combine the answer. So our first one comes from at Craigster twenty twenty one. They ask, "It's never been the Spurs' way to tank. Do you honestly see that happening next season, especially with the competitive spirit of the team?" Uh, then we have at um, Yo Boston George. Um, I, my, my my apologies, I misspelled that. Four. Uh, they ask. Pop said before that the Spurs will never tank. It's not in the Spurs' culture. Why the change in direction? How does the public grade their current general manager, Brian Wright? So, uh, Jonas, you can, you know, uh, yeah, I guess, you you know, do you really think they're going to tank this year? That's the first question being asked. And then secondly, you know, how, how should the public grade um, uh, Brian Wright, GM? Well, you can add toward uh, your, your loss column by subtracting talent from your roster. And I think that that's what they've done you know, starting with moving on from Derek White, then moving on from DeJounte Murray, then moving on from Lonnie Walker at the same time. And should they continue to subtract talent from this roster uh, by the trade deadline, you know, again, moving a Jakob Pertl, uh primarily, you know, we talked about the other two players, but primarily if you remove a Jakob Pertl, um, then then you're, like I said before, you're not having to try so hard to lose games because you're just going to naturally find yourselves, uh, uh, you know, at, overwhelmed. Um, just outmatched talent-wise, outmatched experience-wise. Turnovers, the, the final two minutes when the, the team might be down just five or six points, it's gonna it could snowball even worse because you're trying to force the issue of, of scoring points because losing is difficult. As difficult as it is for fans to sit there and watch their favorite team lose, the, the, the basketball team has to go back out there <laughs> and put in the same effort again. They have to go sit in the locker room. They have to answer the questions at the, at the media conference afterwards. When uh, Losing is not easy, um, especially on a mental you know, fortitude level. And so when you have to look at, you know, the, the for, again, forcing the issue to try to win a game, that's when more mistakes almost happen because you're trying extremely hard and you're, and you're pressing. So I think that, uh, 
they're tanking by subtraction. You know, you you, you add losses by subtracting talent. So it's not going to be difficult. Pop's already uh, the the with Pop, uh, you know, Brian Wright. They've they've been this has been that movement towards. And you could even just go back to you know looking at the, the team's decision with Demar Derozan last summer as, as to really that that catalyst that okay, do we maintain him and 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 keep Dejounte and have Demar as a, as a two option and keep this as a competitive roster. Or do we start moving towards something else? And I think that that was that decision, which is where you see, I mean, DeMar still had something in the tank. He showed that in Chicago. So it's not like he was a veteran who just couldn't do anything. Um, and, and then, you know, Brian Wright's grade, I think that so far he's done well. Again, but but it's not, you're not going to see the wins add up yet because this is this is a rebuild and you don't just start you know by you know if you're building a house you don't just start with the with the with the pillars and, and then the roof no you got the you have the even before you can have your franchise pillars you have to have a foundation of some sort you know it's a level of talent that's just a baseline level of talent and and they've been working their way towards that um for a while which is why i think what you can see you might even see this over the course of the season a lot of just changing you know continued messing with that starting five rotation because it's the the talent level, especially if you add in three first round rookies this year, it's a pretty it's a pretty level floor. And then you're waiting for your pillars to show themselves at that point to build. You know who who can we really build around? And then you're just looking for that franchise piece to add on top that roof that says, "All right, we've got a house. Let's go ahead and contend." And that's where I think you have to look at Brian Wright is not necessarily now, but you're, we're going to continue um, to judge these picks over the next two seasons. Um, and then in year three, you know, three years from now, because you look at this is, you know, officially tearing it all down three years from now is when you can look back and say, okay, Brian Wright did a good job or Brian Wright did a bad job. And, and then, you know, the front office makes this decision from there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have very similar answers here. So on the first question, uh, you know, in order to play for coach pop, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to compete as a player. You know, he's not going to play players who aren't competing. They're going to still run their same system. They're going to have that foundation on defense, on offense, their, their same principles, you know, that he's going to instill all that in the team. Yeah, again, you're not going to play on, on his, for him. If you're not, if you're not at least putting forth that effort and that, you know, that competitiveness. Now, what you just said there, Jonas, as much as you can put that competitive, uh, that competitiveness on, out on the floor, you're, you're just, you're just missing the talent this year coming, unless, you know, one of these players goes to another level, but if they don't, well, that's where that's where it ends up being that tanking part is that just the fact that the players may may not they just may not have uh, the, the 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 group of, uh, of players that can take them to to you know be, be a five hundred or forty win team like like they used to in the past. So so again, that's where I think that yes, they're going to still be competitive. They may even they might even sneak in um, on some nights and beat um, you know not good teams, but you know teams that that aren't prepared. Uh, so just because you know they have Pop there again as as, as their coach who's going to be guiding them. But it is going to be a rough season wins wise. Now, the second question is, you know, why the switch, you know, from that, from that, um, that, then that change in direction as a franchise? I would just say because they were kind of stuck in the middle here where after the Kawhi Leonard trade, you know, when Kawhi was on the team, yes, they were a championship level team. But then once he was gone, it was like, do you stay in that seven to 10 range? You know, that's kind of where they've been. They've, 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 lately, they've been a play in team. Yes, they could have kept DeJounte another two years and maybe again, been maybe like the eighth seed or, or again, maybe the ninth or 10th seed, but they're kind of just staying stuck in that, in that motion. And so now they've kind of gone toward, um, you know, just that, that, that they're going to give themselves a chance to, to it's going to be rough, but they're going to try to land, you know, a generational talent here down the line here. Uh, they're hoping in the draft somehow um, um, to, to, to start getting back into like that, that elite uh, type of Spurs basketball. But again, that's not so down the road years from now. Now, as far as Brian Wright's trade uh, grade, I would say if, if you're a, a Spurs fan who grew up, who always knew the Spurs from the playoffs, you're not happy right now because, you know, he just traded their, their all-star. A lot of that, that group of, of fans was, was very disappointed when DeJounte Murray recently got traded. 
again, because they just like to see that competitive basketball, the Spurs getting close to 40 wins, you know, or, or being a 500 team. So, the, so if you're if you're that fan, yes, you're not happy right now. If you're the fan who for like the last three or four years since Kawhi got traded has been saying tank, 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 then you're happy right now because they finally doing it. This is it. They're tanking like this is this is it. So uh, li- like Jonas said, as far as his grade overall, it, we won't know that till three or four years down the road. We got to see you know, what, what other moves this, the team continues to make. And then who do they draft? That's going to be a big part of, you know, yes, you can tank, but if you make the wrong draft picks, you can end up being like the Sacramento Kings who are just stuck right now. You know, just, they're not improving year after year after year, even though they're getting lottery picks. So yeah, it's, it's going to, it's going to, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a wait and see as far as rights grade. But again, it's going to be a wild one. That's going to be the tough part is, you know, <laughs> do you want to see us losing basketball for the next few years? That'll be something to watch when, you know, the Spurs have been good for 20 straight years in a row. So, so again, that's kind of our answers there. All right, our seventh question is um, from at AntiWiper. Uh, they ask, uh, what will the Spurs do with all of that cap space and when? So for this one, um, just want to say that, you know, the Spurs do have about 28 to $33 million in open space right now. As far as what they're going to I don't know. I think the, the biggest thing to watch is, you know, do they trade for a player who a team is just be like a, a trade participant in getting a player who a team wants to shed their salary, like Russell Westbrook or maybe another veteran player down the road. Then the Spurs are the perfect opportunity, the, the perfect team to say, okay, give us a first round pick or two first round picks and then we'll, we'll take that player's bad contract. Um, so, so again, that's what I think they'll end up doing with that cast base if they do use it this coming season. Uh, and then if they don't use it, well, then they can go to uh, at the end of the year, they'll have about they're about nineteen point five million dollars from the salary floor. And so basically every player who's still on the Spurs roster by the end of the year, if they still have that open cap space, they're going to get a nice one point three million dollar check. It looks like so, so, you know, the players aren't arguing if they don't, if they don't spend that cap space or, or use it. Um, what do you think, Jonas, is going to happen with that cap space for this season? Yeah, I, I both of those options. You know, I, I think that primarily, you know, again, you, you should be spending that money on eating a contract from another team because that means picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's going to be, another, again, an evaluation of Brian Wright because even the DeJounte thing, it's not about the immediate trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have first-round picks in the future and a picks, uh, first-round pick swap in the future. Um, I don't, we don't know how this, you know, this season with the being the Hornets pick is going to necessarily, you know, uh, whether that will, um, you know, actually convey or not. Uh, it, that's the Hornets. So hope for the hope the Hornets had to have a great year. Um, and then you, you get to add that extra pick. But I, I think that if the Spurs can do that, that's I think their focus. That's what they want to do with it because you're getting something, and you're not just you know. The players, a $1.3 million bonus for going through a losing season, it does make, does make all the struggles a little bit easier, sure. Um, but I think that they'd rather see themselves in the contention as well. And I think that contention, you know, comes from adding talent, adding, ta- adding premier talent. Adding, at San Antonio, it's no secret, it, it, it has a difficult time in the free, agents mar- you know, free agent market. So it has to come through the draft really. And so, you know, that just comes from acquiring picks. So the picks allow you to, to move around uh, with some level of fluidity. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with the, with the landscape of the NBA in a couple of years. Uh, you know, Brooklyn almost, uh, you know, bottom, you know, Houston almost, uh, almost looked, <laughs> looked like they were going to be in an amazing position having acquired all of Brooklyn's picks for the next few years. Uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving decide to go back. But, there could, we could see a situation take place like that where, where a team that the Spurs go ahead, you know, the Lakers, you go ahead and eat, eat the salary for a Russell Westbrook contract, you get two for, get a pair of first rounders in there. And then the Lakers, you know, LeBron James signed a two year extension. Okay, great. But 
we've got first round, you know, he, he's, he can't stay healthy. You have an old aging roster and you know, what, what do the LA Lakers really look like in a year or two? Um, you know, that's a t- not a bad team to make a trade with because it just, again, where they're at roster wise. Um, so you want to be bringing in picks for that salary. And that just comes from, from eating cap space. Yeah. So just like you said there, you basically watch until that February trade deadline, see if the Spurs do it. And if they acquire a veteran player and then maybe wave that player, it's again, they're, they're using that cap space to take in those, uh, that, that player in order to get those, those picks. All right, our last question, it's more so, I'll just answer this one real quick. Uh, it's from at Matt11922. They ask, why did the Spurs let jo- Jock Landale leave? So um, so he didn't actually leave. The Spurs had to trade him. So the reason why they traded him, though, if you're, if you're asking, is because in order for, to make the DeJounte Murray and um, Gallinari trade happen uh, before the end of, of, of last season, 21-22 season on June 30th, the Spurs actually had to include an additional salary. And so since Landale's salary was, um, I think it was like, like, I don't even remember how much it was, but it, it was like right, right around a million or, or slightly under a million. But because of that, they had to throw in an additional salary. And so because of that, Lando ended up going uh, to to the Hawks. And then eventually he got traded down the road to Phoenix. So this year he's actually expected to be in Phoenix. But again, they didn't actually let him leave. They just, they had to, they had to include his salary uh, to make that trade work. All right, so... Um, before we close up this episode, thank you to Jonas for, for joining me here. Jonas, I know that you recently wrote a piece. Uh, it was called um, Will the Greg Popovich Coaching Tree Bear Fruit in San Antonio? Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that piece that you wrote? Yeah. I, I mean, when you look at uh, across the NBA, you know, it was very popular uh, and trending topic rather this last spring when you looked at the, across the playoffs and even who ended up participating in the NBA finals. You can trace a lot of the teams back to the coach Popovich coaching tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so – and now, of course, Will Hardy, you know, who was an assistant under Eme in Boston, he's now a head coach in Utah. Then you look at, and so we're fresh off the heels of Becky Hammond becoming yeah, a WNBA it. champion, mm-hmm. uh, who everybody had figured was the heir apparent in San Antonio. So when you look at, at the assistant coaching bench now, you know, and you look at who who has gone on to be, you know, successful across the NBA, you want it does, be, and you don't know how much longer Coach Popovich has. Uh, you know, how much longer he wants to continue to coach this team for. Um, so the question is, is, you know, does, is he going to have enough time with any of these assistants, Mitch Johnson, Matt Nielsen, you know, to, to turn them in, to help them become, you know, a head coach that's ready to take these reins and, and run with it. Just like, you know, Ime, just like Monty, just like Budenholzer, who have gone on to have success, compete for championships, um, you know, with other, you know, coaching up their other t- other teams. And so I, I, I think it's a question worth asking, you know, um, nobody's trying to rush coach Popovich out the door, but when you see, you know, high caliber assistant coaches leaving and going elsewhere, and then you look at your own bench and you're just like, wow, you know, um, is that kind of potential in a Mitch Johnson who did have the opportunity to coach the summer league, you know, this last summer, or is it in Matt Nielsen who you got the promotion to come up from Austin? You know, to put uh, Pitar, you know, and you know, step him up from assistant coach in a, in Austin to become a head coach in Austin. So, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things where at the end of it all, you know, Pop, you know, Coach Pop was here for you know had a, had a great run over twenty plus years. We don't know when he's gonna you know call it a career, but when he does call it a career, you you hope that there's gonna be some some kind of uh, you know a piece of fruit left off the tree. You know, to, to that 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 can help. You know, you can replant and you know help help San Antonio flourish in the long run, um, because you already see his 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 roots across the NBA. 
Yeah, so definitely check out that piece. It's over on Project Spurs that, that Jonas wrote. Uh, and then also our, um, also uh, make sure you're looking uh, reading our, our Fiesta short series by Trace Ronning. So make sure you check that out as well. All right, so uh, th- thanks to Jonas for joining me here on this episode of the Spurs Cast. And thanks to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.